Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Suzanne Haywood, a successful civil servant, business executive, and now the author of an incredibly inspiring memoir, Wave Walker, Breaking Free. Suzanne Haywood, hello. I'm so grateful to have you joining us discussing your book, Wave Walker, a memoir of Breaking Free, with one aspect, sharing it with student readers and its relevance to them. I hope it inspires uh, people to keep educating themselves and to encourage their children to, because, you know, many children will face obstacles getting an education. And the last few years have been very difficult for many children, but it's worth fighting your way through it uh, because it can make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. I'm just in awe of how you were able to do it. It would... And and thinking of a young child, I guess, again, I'm going to go back to the word that you used, resiliency, and how uh, that is a, is a very strong characteristic that really at a young age, you were able to, to find within yourself and n- not consciously, of course, but just somehow hold with it and and trust and and know who to find that there the few people that were there that you could rely on. I think that's right. I, I decided that education was the way in which I was going to escape from this boat that just kept on sailing and kept on sailing and kept on sailing. You know, no matter what I no matter what I did. Um, and so I just kept on. So I started hiding myself on this boat. I started kind of finding a place, wrapping myself in a sail at the kind of front of the boat where nobody could find me and studying. Um, and it was very difficult because, of course, all I had was books. It was before the Internet. So I was trying to kind of read through books. I was posting off letters whenever we got to a port and hoping that they would come back at the next port. But often they didn't because we would change direction. You're right, I tried to be inspired by some of the people who we met along the way, but a lot of the people in my world were not really academic people, so it was very difficult. I wanted to study science and math. Um, So I think what the kind of story shows is if you really want to do it, you can. You can find ways to do it. You can find people who inspire you to do it. Um, And even in the most extraordinary settings, even when people around you aren't really doing a lot to support you, you can find a way to kind of get through it. Um, I'm very glad that with my own children, I now have three children of my own. I haven't, they haven't had to go through that. Although, you know, like many children, they've gone through schooling during COVID, which does have some kind of similarities to this. Yes. And, and you know, that's another aspect of this, Suzanne, that I think is amazing, that given the the very tough time that you had with your parents and how uh, they chose their relationship really over taking care of their children, uh, that still here you are so grounded in being a good mother and having had a a beautiful relationship with your husband, Jeremy, who I, I... I am so sorry that he is no longer with us. But but there was this beautiful relationship you had uh, that was uh, completely <laughs> diametrically opposed to, to what you had growing up. I Yes, I was very conscious when I was going to become a mum that I needed to really think about what it, be, what it was to become a mother because my parents were never very protective of me. I mean, 
Uh, they were there the whole time when I was a child on the boat, but they were not ever really very protective of me or very kind of loving towards me. And as I see it say, they, they really saw me as somebody who could work on the boat, you know, do chores on the boat. But I was so I've seen if you like as a um, well, I was going to say a deckhand, although because I was a girl, it was also a very gendered environment. So I was expected to work down below. So I wasn't even a, a kind of deckhand. I was more of a kind of galley hand, I think. Um, so I was very determined to be a very different sort of parent. And I, I kind of sat down and thought about it. And, you know, for me, the kind of key things about being a great parent are unconditional love, which I never had from my parents, uh, being there when your children really need you. Uh, and my parents often weren't there when I really needed them and obviously spending enough time with them. And I'm very close to my my three children. Sadly, as you say, my, my kind of uh, my husband passed away a few years ago. So that's really brought us together as a family. I'm sure if you, my kids were here right this moment, they would tell you all the things that I don't do <laughs> perfectly as a mum, uh, like any mum. But, you know, somehow uh, I've managed not to replicate my own parenting and the way in which I parented my children. And I think uh, I was really afraid that I would actually, I was really afraid that that would happen. But I think if you do it in a very deliberate way, you don't have to replicate um, the, the way in which you parent, even if you come from a very difficult background. Oh, isn't that key to be deliberate, to really think about what you're doing rather than there's so much almost like a knee-jerk reaction that people go through and are controlled then by others, whereas yeah, being thoughtful, stepping back. That's what you really were doing through your entire life and you continue to do. That's right. I mean, you people will find if they read the book, there's two wonderful characters in the book. I mean, there's various crew that come and go on this boat during this 10-year voyage, but a couple left a real uh, left a real imprint on me. One is somebody called Mr. Ray. I was, I was always taught as a child, I had to call him Mr. Ray. He was on the boat for about six months. Mr. Ray's still in my life, actually, a lovely man. He came on the boat for about six months. Um, and the second one is somebody called Pam, who is a friend of my parents, who I only really met for a couple of weeks. She looked after me at the end of this terrible time I had in New Zealand when my parents effectively sailed away and left me with my brother. And when I became a parent, I remember actually thinking I'm going to channel some version of Mr. Ray and Pam, and they're the models for how I'm going to be a parent. And I think it's possible to do that. Uh, maybe that makes you a slightly strange parent. But I mean, I, I just thought about the way in which they behave to me. And that was what I wanted to replicate. I'm not sure that that's really strange. It's making choices, which I feel that's that's where, and, and here I am not a parent. I don't have children, but I have a niece and nephew. I have stepchildren. So I, I think there's that part of it about really being deliberate and looking at it and making choices. I, we're always making choices, though, right? Whether we follow what we were doing or whether we find a better model and we think, that's what I'd like to be like. That's right. I think we make choices all the way through our lives. And that's why I think I made a choice, you know, to be a survivor and not a victim. I made a choice to escape from this boat. And actually, I made a choice to write the story about the boat. I mean, that was a very difficult decision for me, because I knew that when I wrote the story, which I always knew I needed to write, because it's a, it's a, you know, sometimes life just gives you a story. Uh, and I've written other books, but this was always the book I wanted to write. It, it was the story of my life. I mean, it's an incredible story of living on a boat for a decade and sailing to many extraordinary places. Um, but I knew when I wrote this book, I was going to blow up 
whatever relationship I had remaining with my parents. So it was a big decision to do that. Um, but again, I was very deliberate about it in that I, I decided that it was far more important for me to tell the tale and for me to, you know, tell the tale honestly and to be able to share it with my children and my friends and the people I cared about than for me to hold on to a relationship which was a very uh, poor relationship that I had with my parents, uh, particularly in the last few years as, as things became more difficult and they became uh, really very uh, unhappy with me questioning my childhood. Isn't that interesting? Uh, again, not wanting to be judgmental, but putting them then in that camp that just will take uh, that reactionary kind of a knee-jerk reaction rather than as you, their child, uh, can be so much more uh, aware and questioning how to how to be and making choices. It, it's just so interesting and but on the other side too just so sad and tragic that they did not want you to share the story were they afraid that of what kind of outcome would come from this i think they were afraid that they would be criticized for the decisions that they made i mean it's a pretty difficult decision to take two tiny children mm -hmm. 7 and 6 years old on a boat and to keep them on that boat for a decade um and they always wanted to pretend that it was all fine, you know, despite the fact that they knew I'd been very unhappy on that boat, that they knew I'd desperately miss friends and schooling. And, you know, I'd really fought to in the end to try and escape from this boat. They wanted to pretend that it was all OK and they didn't really want that story to come out. And I do understand that. Um, but on the other hand, it's my story to tell. Uh, and when you you know, I, I suffered through that experience and now I want to share that story and I hope that story inspires other people and there's no reason why I shouldn't share that story. And Actually, it's been an incredibly kind of positive experience to do it, not least for the reasons that you were talking about earlier, about encouraging other people who face difficult experiences uh, to keep going, to educate themselves and to think about resilience as well. You know, resilience is one of the things that I take from my childhood. Um, and that's partly because I think I have learned to put things into perspective. And that is a, a huge asset, uh, but one, of course, that we can all have. Not one I always do perfectly either. But I think, you know, if you've been through a very difficult childhood, it does enable you to put the kind of day-to-day -day troubles that we all face into a little bit of perspective. Yes. Let's circle back to education and 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 it's so wonderful again to be bringing this uh, to high schools to speak to the students directly and and of course uh, you're you're being based in in England uh, w with these Zoom classes that are possible. Of course, you can talk to students all all over the world, and I hope that that's going to evolve from this when uh, the book is introduced into their schools and they perhaps want to hear more about you. I I hope that that will happen. Is that actually something that's potentially happening? Yeah, I'm very happy to do that. I mean, what I've been doing at the moment is particularly working with charities that are trying to make sure that children get access to education. Mm. So there's a couple of wonderful charities I've been working with, one called Their World, another one called 30 Birds. They're working with children who are in situations where they can't really get access to education. I've also been to talk to some schools uh, in the UK and to universities. Uh, but also to to kind of groups of people uh, in businesses as well, you know, to talk to them about resilience, because there's many different dimensions of the story, which are 
which are really interesting. And I'm very happy, mm -hmm. you know, if one of your listeners would like me to do a, a Zoom call and kind of talk about this, very happy to try and do that because I think it, it does get into a really interesting conversation that hopefully will inspire people to think about uh, education. And along those lines, I was just so inspired by your pursuit then of going to university. You know, here you've spent essentially what would be your entire educational school life on this boat, but trying to gather as much as you could, and you apply to universities and get accepted at Oxford, which seems amazing, but, but that in itself too. Well, share that story if you would. Yeah. So at this point, I was in New Zealand. As I mentioned earlier, my parents basically sailed away and left me and my younger brother in New Zealand. I was 16 at the time and he was 15. And I was absolutely determined to get to university. And some people have asked me kind of where did that determination come from? You know, wh why did you just decide that you were going to do this, given that you weren't in a normal schooling environment? And, you know, working with some of these children who are denied access to education like I was, at least some of them really, really, really uh, become determined to educate themselves. And I think that there's two reasons for it. One is it is something that you can control in your life where you can't control anything else. You can try and teach yourself. And secondly, I think a lot of children do realize that education is a way out of a very difficult situation. So I was teaching myself by correspondence. I had some qualifications, which I was trying to learn by post, which was very difficult, as I said, because I couldn't see a teacher. Obviously, I wanted to study science, so I couldn't go into a lab. It was very difficult. And then I wrote away to every university I'd ever heard of in the in the world. So it ended up being a lot of the, the quite elite universities, not because I thought I was elite, but because those were the only ones I'd ever heard of. And most of them wrote back and said they wouldn't consider me. Uh, I remember writing to Harvard. Uh, Harvard never wrote back. And I now realize that Harvard University, Harvard, America is not the correct address. But of course, I was making up the addresses because I was sitting in a in a hut in New Zealand. So the one university that wrote back and said that it really that they really would consider me uh, was Oxford. Um, and they said, write us a couple of essays, which I did. And then they said, if you can get enough money to get yourself a one way ticket back to the UK, we'll interview you. So I went and picked kiwi fruit in New Zealand, earned enough money for a plane ticket. My father gave me a small amount. I flew back to the UK and basically bet everything on convincing them in this interview that they should let me in, which amazingly they did. And they waived some rules to let me in as well, because I didn't have all of the, the kind of entry criteria. Uh, but they, they actually changed my life. I mean, I kind of changed my life by getting myself to that point. And then you do need somebody who will somehow kind of look at you and say, OK, this person is very strange and they don't fit everything that we'd like them to fit. But we're going to give them a chance. And that changed my life around because I you know, went on from there to work with the UK government. I now kind of you know, work with with big businesses. As, as you said, I kind of got married, uh, three kids. My life turned around from that point. Um, so I, I owe them a huge amount. I, you know, somebody kind of taking a bet on somebody and somebody being incredibly determined that they're going to escape. And fortunately, they saw that, that you had that passion and uh, gambled on it to a, a good result. And I really appreciate that about that, too, is that there's just so much of this where parents want to manage so much about getting their kids into the right college. And I think allow them to kind of venture forth and do some of this. I mean, how are they going to live their life if their parents are going to manage it all? Now, not saying 
to go to the extreme that you had to go through. But I get that from uh, your just being so motivated and showing how good results come from that. I think that's right. I mean, it's another thing that I've thought about as a parent, which is I came from a very extreme childhood where I wasn't really looked after at all. And I had to escape and uh, all on my own and get myself into university. You know, I grew up in a world which was physically dangerous. I almost died at least twice. Couldn't really ever see a doctor. I think I only ever once saw a dentist as a child. You know, we had very kind of primitive conditions on board. Uh, I was often sharing a, a kind of cabin with kind of male crew. I mean, it was a very difficult kind of childhood. And that has made me a very resilient person. I don't want to do that to my children. But on the other hand, I'm very conscious that if I solve every problem for them, they're going to end up not being able to look after themselves. So, you know, like a lot of parents, I try to kind of find a balance in between the two, you know, not catch them every single time they're getting into a sticky situation, but being there when it really is problematic so that they're not on their own. And, you know, many parents, I think, are trying to kind of figure out the way through that. And and if we get it right, we will create children who feel looked after and loved, but also have a degree of resilience. Oh, yes. This book is so utterly amazing. And admittedly, when I first was reading it, it it sounded intriguing. The first few pages for a little while were a little challenging. And then it was a page turner. It's so gripping. And as you say, Suzanne, just so many different aspects here for so many different readers that I feel we owe it to ourselves. We can learn so much, whatever our age is more mature readers. It's just really a fascinating and epic, epic tale, really. So it's just freshly out now. And so it's available at all of our favorite book sources, correct? That's right. It's just coming out. Um, and I'm really excited. I've been out in the UK for a few months. And I'm really, really excited to see what people think. Yeah, I think hopefully people are going to love it. And hopefully people are going to take things away from it. Yes and yes, <laughs> loving it and taking away so many messages and encouraging others to to do the same. And people can follow you as well. You have a, a presence online, of course, right? I do indeed. So they can find me on kind of most social media. I'm trying to do my social media thing. I've got a website so they can find me through that. And as I say, I'm very happy. You know, I do my best to try and answer questions around the book and kind of what happened. And people can find stuff out about out online about it. In fact, if they look close enough, they'll find old articles from when we first set sail around the world. So this story goes back a long time, but a lot of the telling of it has been, you know, by other people. This is the first time that as the child who was involved and had to escape from it, I've been able to tell my own story. And we... I am so grateful that you follow that. You obviously have been following your heart and just being, I think, in a way, very gently strong, if that's a, if that's a thing, where you've just persisted, you've known what's true, what's right, and followed it. And look at who you are and all that you have accomplished in your life. I think it's just amazing and we can learn from you. Thank you so much. It's wonderful kind of talking to you. But no, I'm just so happy that the book is there. And I'm so happy by the reception that it's had. People seem to love it. And that, you know, for a writer, that is the most wonderful thing of all. That The idea that there are people out there reading this story and enjoying it and engaging with it is a fantastic thing. Well, thank you for bringing this to us. And of course, Suzanne, thank you for spending this time with us this morning. It's been just a very special and unique time. 
Thank you so much. Now let's meet Shanesty Ireland, a foodie blogger and mother of five, to discuss food tips and savings for the holiday season. Shanesty Ireland, good morning. Thanks so greatly for being with us once again. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. And I'm really excited to have this segment with you because we're going to be talking about some food shopping and thinking about uh, cost savings with all the holidays here and how to juggle all of that. And I think in your role as a food and lifestyle influencer, you have some great ideas on that for us. Yeah, so I think it's something that we have to really take into consideration. We're thinking about hosting, perhaps, for the holidays. We're thinking about Christmas shopping or holiday shopping, whatever might be on your plate. And those costs really add up. And something we maybe don't think about, it's not on the front of the forefront of my mind, is the cost of the food and the drinks and everything it costs to host. So really cutting corners wherever we can and trying to save money, pinching pennies, is really going to be the best bet. And it really starts now in the preparation and the planning for all of that. And that is because are we going to be seeing some uh, coupons or sales that we should take advantage of? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things we can't control. We can't control, of course, the cost of gas. We can't afford the cost of the prices at the grocery store necessarily. But keeping an eye out for those coupons, for those deals, sneaking in any kind of Black Friday deal where you possibly can, all of those things need to be on our radar, whether you have to set alerts on your phone or whether you have to be just scouring social media, looking for those deals, plugging them in, putting reminders in your phone to check out the daily deals at your favorite stores. All of that stuff is just going to be really critical when it comes to uh, budget-friendly savings when it comes to the holidays. Okay, so some of that we're probably doing somewhat, but we need to be really consistent about it, especially at this time. Absolutely. And, you know, when it comes to necessarily the grocery store, if you want to save at the grocery store, because, man, those costs can really add up. I have some tips. The very first one is to really shop your pantry first. Before you go grocery shopping, check the pantry, take an inventory. I can't even tell you how many times I've put olive oil down on my list, and then all of a sudden when I clean out my pantry, I'm like, oh, I had a giant thing of olive oil already in there. So making sure that you take an inventory of everything that you have, everything that you need. Doing meal prep ahead of time, planning out the meals as much as you possibly can. This goes for every single meal leading up into the holidays. I always joke to my kids when it comes to the week of Thanksgiving and they're saying, what's for dinner? And I'm always like, you'll eat on Thursday. You'll eat on Thursday. (laughs) But, you know, the little things we can do leading up to Thanksgiving and leading up to Christmas as well. Cutting back on meat whenever you can, maybe perhaps doing a meatless Monday or cutting back any way possible because meat, beef, chicken, pork, It's always really expensive, and it seems to become more expensive around the holidays. And then, of course, you know, frozen foods. There's nothing wrong with that. Having your freezer stocked with some of your favorite frozen food options is also a great way to throw together a really quick and easy meal that doesn't really take a lot of time, and it doesn't really cost a lot either. Those are really brilliant ideas, and everything you're saying, we can all be nodding and saying, oh, yes, I've noticed all of those costs inching up and up. And when you say, you know, having those meatless meals, it's actually in our good health, too. It is to our benefit not to be eating meat every single day. A hundred percent. And, you know, I know sometimes when I talk about having a meatless meal, people get a little freaked out by that. But 
if you just do it perhaps once a week, you don't go completely cold turkey on the meat if your family loves the meat, but just doing a meatless Monday or perhaps on a Saturday, you're not going to have the meat or whatever it may be. You can find protein in other ways. In pork rinds, you can find protein in eggs. You can find protein in, you know, any kind of superfood. There's so many different ways to get your protein in without having the high cost of meat. I mean, eggs is one of the cheapest ways nowadays to get protein, even though the cost of eggs is a little bit more expensive than it was a couple years ago, but it's still a fairly inexpensive way to get protein into your diet. So do you have a favorite go-to recipe that we could put into our repertoire? I love chili. This time of year, there's nothing like a good batch of chili in the crock pot. So what the recipe that I'm going to talk about today is um, Southern Recipe Small Batch Chili. If you're not familiar with this brand, Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds is a pork rind. It's packed with protein. It's keto-friendly, low-carb. And this recipe is actually going to call for the pork rinds inside the chili so it's going to give it a little bit of crunch we're going to have the kidney beans the pinto beans the celery stock onion garlic chili powder a bunch of different seasonings you could even have the monterey steak seasoning as well dashes of tabasco worcestershire sauce and also having the um, small batch pork rinds is there you could top that on top of your chili to give it a nice little crunch as opposed to having crackers or tortilla chips or whatever you may have and it's just going to really make it super flavorful you're going to of course throw that into a crock pot or you can even put on your stovetop simmer for one hour and there's nothing better this time of year than having a delicious warm bowl of chili Oh, my mouth is watering right now. (laughs) So need to put that on the agenda for later today. So I've talked uh, recently or in the summer with the Queen of Hearts and that specialty line of dressings. And you use that in your food prep too, right? Yeah, Queen of Hearts is a wonderful, delicious salad dressing. It's absolutely superb. It's perfect for little salads. I also love to just do a little salad in a mason jar. A fun tip if you're going to do a salad in the mason jar, definitely put the Queen of Hearts dressing at the bottom and then stack your salad on top of that. That way your salad doesn't become super soggy with the dressing. But Queen of Heart is a wonderful, absolute brand. Their mission is to inspire people to dress their food for better health. They're healthier for the planet as well. It's a whole functional, flavorful flavor, and they're kind of just taking all of the bad ingredients out. It's a sustainable company, and they're extremely healthy. And not to mention, if you haven't tried these Queen of Heart salad dressings before, they're absolutely delicious and divine. So having kids who are not necessarily (laughs) fond of salads, but maybe yours are, maybe you've really taught them well. I'm glad you asked this. I try because I actually have found, um, I have five kids, as you mentioned. My oldest is 10. So I have 10, 9, 7, 4, and a 1-year-old. And I recently purchased these uh, dinner trays off Amazon, and they divide all of the foods up. And I tell you what, it would be like I just invented sliced bread with these things because just dividing up the foods into little compartments. My kids are eating more. They're eating, I feel like they're eating healthier. And I do, I I always stick a little thing of salad on the side. A couple of them will like it. Some will experiment with it. But I think that any parent out there who has kids and perhaps you're thinking, okay, Shanice, like I have the pickiest eater in the world. They're never going to eat salad. Just keep introducing your children to some of these foods. That's the best way to do it. Stick it on their tray or on their plate 
every single dinner, and eventually they're going to get curious about it. Maybe one of the older siblings is eating it, and they're going to try it. So I try to do the best that I can. It's not always a home run, but I definitely do try every meal for sure. And I like that idea of having that kind of a tray and having it set into compartments, basically. And that way they uh, can feel a sense of accomplishment, maybe, when they finish this particular corner. I think so. They're exactly what you envisioned from the school cafeteria when you were, you know, when you're growing up, just these old school trays. And I'm on Instagram. And on Instagram, I promise you, it is the number one question I'm asked is, where did I purchase these trays? So when I say that this is the greatest thing, it really is. And there's something, you know, kids can be odd about food touching each other. And so I get that. And then also, it's like you said, they feel really accomplished if they completely eat one of their little compartments. Hopefully it's the salad, not always the salad, but it would be great if it was, but at least they're accomplishing something for sure. Now we talked about the chili. They probably do really gobble that down. Chili is a a home run in this house. Chili (laughs) is a home run. Also grilled cheese. I want to talk about one other brand. It's Julian's Recipe. This is a wonderful brand that you can find in your frozen food section. They make cheese baguettes, pretzel baguettes, and you can quite frankly make a grilled cheese off of this garlic bread. You can just add a fun layer of your additional cheese. You pop it into the oven for about nine minutes, 350 degrees, and they've got this really delicious bakery soft taste. Every single time you have Julian's recipe, it tastes the exact same. They use fresh, wholesome ingredients, and the taste is never compromised, and it's really just a very easy way to get some bread onto their plate as well, into their little compartment to have a little side of bread. And it's so well prepared for you up ahead of time. And I must say that as you were describing that, I thought, oh, to have like little appetizers that are actually grilled cheese, wouldn't that be like a time saver and delicious? It is. It is a time saver. And, you know, another tip I like to give parents, you can't really start dinner time at dinner time. This is something that I've learned over the years. You have to do some kind of a meal prep ahead of time because you know what, at least in our house, when it comes dinner time, these kids are starving like immediately, like now. And I want to prevent them going into the pantry and getting the goldfish and the Oreos. So I try to do as much prep as ahead of time. So the things like the chili, that's a great prep item. The things like the grilled cheese, anything that I can do, even if it's as easy as cutting up produce ahead of time or cutting up the strawberries or whatever it may be, doing as much as ahead of time as you possibly can is going to really save some hungry souls and it's going to save your sanity as well as a parent in the kitchen. Oh, all of that totally to our benefit, and I'm sure we can all relate to that. So to find out more about you, Shanesty, where shall we look? Yes, head over to Instagram, at Shanesty Ireland. I also have a blog. It's called She'sBecomingDomestic.com. I have lots of recipes on there, lots of parenting tips, funny videos. I mean, we we keep it really fun over here. There's nothing that you're going to see on there thinking, oh, I could never do that. Everything is really realistic. I say it's realistic recipes and it's messy motherhood over here. That's all it is. (laughs) Oh, so a big dose of honesty. Yes, 100%. You have to when it comes to social media. You have to be honest because a lot of it is not real, (laughs) as we all know. Right. Well, having looked at your website and seeing those gorgeous kiddos of yours, it's your hands are full, but full of such beauty and fun, I'm sure. Oh, thank you. It is chaos. It is 
Bachelor chaos. I'm shocked, actually, no one is screaming in the background right now because <laughs> I'm hiding out in my in my bedroom while I'm talking to you. But it's wonderful, and you know, these are the days. That's for sure. Well, you have made our day, I feel. We've gotten some good tips and hints on what we can do to navigate these coming weeks and make our life a little more bearable, too. So I'm so grateful to you, Shanesty, for taking time with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Hopefully we'll chat again soon. Absolutely. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Suzanne Haywood and Shanesty Ireland and Sunday Morning Magazine with Sandy Robertson. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of good health and good connections with self and with family. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning and big wishes for a special Thanksgiving time.